The NBA season is a few months away, but there are still tons of sports for you to get in the game and make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Bet before the game or live in play on all of your favorite teams' matchups. Head to sportsinteraction.com SDPN or download the app to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Welcome to SDPN's off-season miniseries, The Leap, where I sit down with media members from across the NBA to discuss some of the up-and-coming players in the league that could take that next step in their careers. We discuss six players across six different teams, all with different styles and positions in hopes of understanding what makes their development unique. Today, I want to investigate the game of Pelicans wing Trey Murphy III, who impressed last season as a scorer and shooter, showing off more of an ability to create off of the bounce and attack the basket. Through his three years in the league, Trey has shown Pelicans fans that he is hashtag more than a shooter. But how much more can he be? Does he have the potential to become a star in this league? And could he become next year's most improved player? And if so, what's required for him to take that next leap? All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Leap, my off-season series dissecting and discussing some uh, some of the players in the NBA that I think could take that next step in their careers in the 2023-2024 season. Here, joined by Shamit Dua, who is uh, everything Pelicans-related. Uh, you are one of the main guys I go to immediately, you and Mason. Um, it's just it's great, great to be able to discuss Pelicans basketball with you, but also great to be able to talk one of my favorite players in the league, which is Trey Murphy III. Um, he's entering year three now. He had a bit of a scoring leap last year. He was almost a 50-40-90 guy, which was which was pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, no, he, he, took, he already took a bit of a leap last season. And I'm sort of wondering at the beginning of this podcast if you can sort of contextualize what he improved on from year two to year three just for the viewers. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, apologies for the noise in the background. But, uh, you know, Trey Trey took a huge leap forward uh, from year one to year two in pretty much every area of the game. I think one of the reasons he didn't really get on the court to start the year in year one was uh, perhaps not being up to speed defensively um, when it comes to the NBA, just not understanding the schemes, not understanding the requirements. And I think over time, he's gained Willie Green's trust. And by the end of his second year, he had progressed to where he was playing the most minutes on the team and uh, just kind of shows the faith that he's gained from the the staff on that end. And offensively, I was sweeping imp- improvements across the board, just um, from just getting more efficient on, on a higher usage, uh, gaining more usage as the year went on, being able to showcase some stuff where he illustrates he's not just a shooter. When you close out to him hard, he can drive hard. He can dunk on people. Uh, he was one of the most efficient players in transition in the entire league and just, um, a supremely efficient player in general that uh, as the season went on, I think they realized, hey, perhaps we need to get this guy more shots and um, it pays huge results to their offense. You mentioned the athleticism, which is something that maybe the casual observer might not notice, but it pops if you watch enough Pelicans games, just his ability to attack a closeout, get downhill, be able to finish at the rim, finish at the basket, but also be able to like the shooting side of things is already at an elite level it's probably going to become more elite as he just gets better as a movement guy as a guy who can come down like double drags etc to to kind of open space up for himself but 
I mean, 40% on over six attempts from three. He was 40% on catch and shoot attempts, nearly 40% on pull-ups, although it was on really, really vol- uh, low volume. I'm wondering, do you think the pull-up game is something that eventually you see being added to his repertoire? So uh, in, in talking with Trey over the course of the season um, and him just going on record in various different public interviews, he stated re- repeatedly that's going to be a major focus of his to to work on the off the dribble game, work on the pull up game and, and not just from three, but also from the mid range area. I think he was very clearly a two level scorer. You know, all of his shots were either at the rim uh, or from three. And, and he didn't have a, a ton of attempts from the mid range area, which is honestly what you want from a high level role player. But if he is to make that next leap into being a true secondary option um, or, you know, even, even a true third option, uh, someone who can absorb possessions when the, the, I guess the gameplay breaks down, someone who can just uh, innovate and create um, that mid range area is going to be a necessary step. It's going to be a necessary degree of um, variability that makes him less predictable and tougher to guard. So, uh, it's a continued focus for him this offseason. And I I don't know, you know, if he's going to be able to just transform over the course of one summer. Um, but I do think to to your question over the long term, that is something he's going to be able to add to his game. Uh, I just like to bet on people who are naturally good shooters. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree with you. And I, I think just like looking at his form, looking at his jumper, it seems like it's something that's translatable off the bounce as well. Like the handle has to get tighter. And I think that's a progression that inevitably has to come with him, but that's something you can work on throughout the seasons. Um, I'm wondering, and and this is maybe more of a general question about prospects and development. I know you focus not only on the Pelicans, but developmentally draft wise, you, you, you have a focus on that as well. I, I wonder how to approach developing a guy like Trey when you know there is a Zion, when there is a BI, and you have to sort of center your offense, center center your team around those guys, and also have the opportunity for a guy like Trey to expand his, his game offensively and even be more involved defensively. Yeah, I think it's it's super interesting because, you know, normally what you have for for talented high first round picks and even you know, Trey was drafted 17. So it's a little bit of a different situation. But normally, you know, those players spend a good deal of time on not so great teams uh, that can afford to let them eat as many possessions as they want. You know, let them fail over and over and over again. And, yeah. um, you know, you know, the Pelicans haven't been the greatest team since he's gotten in. But, you know, they made the playoffs once, made the play play in. Uh, the second year and, and had a winning season. So their aspirations have at least been uh, at least of a team that's trying to win stuff. And, you know, the first year he really had to earn his keep really had to, Hey, your Garrett Temple is going to get minutes before you do right. <laughs> much to the chagrin of Pelicans fans. And, um, and most, the most of that was on the defensive side. Uh, but it, it, when it comes to offensive development, the priority f- in in the initial sense has been you are here to fill a role at this moment but i think the way you you develop that is you slowly and slowly expand that role and and i think that is what they've been doing right so it's it's been two years and if you look at trey's um usage compared to i guess like the first month of the first season and then the last month of this last season it's night and day and 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 that's just from like, hey, he used to be a guy that stood still in the corner. Like that is what his job was to space out. Um, and now he's being involved in ball screens um, as a screen setter or setting back screens or um, you being used as a decoy. And 
and now he's had the freedom to grab and grow if he get, gets a rebound or had the freedom to like, hey, you can put the ball on the floor, but not just the freedom, the confidence as well. Um, so you're you're beginning to see some of those those creation flashes. And I think some of it you're seeing also from a passing perspective, like he's not really a high assist guys assist percentage isn't high by by any means but you know you can see he can read the floor as he's getting downhill and you know defenses are rotating over to stop him from dunking on everything um he makes the correct read he's, he's able to make those pocket passes to the big um so those things are very excited to see. And I think with regards to Zion and BI, first of all, there's always going to be opportunity. Those guys are always hurt. So <laughs> there's always going to be opportunity for, for guys to, to uh, absorb usage. But, but second of all, um, I, I think to answer your question, you just got to continue to layer in those type of possessions. So like, you know, first year strictly spot up second year, you know, we're getting him on the move, maybe getting him off some ball screens and stuff. Third year you're increasing that. So maybe he's running two or three pick and rolls a game now. Right. Or maybe he's being used as a big man uh, in those pick and rolls more often. Now I, I think that's an underutilized or a, a, at least an area that has a lot of potential that I'd like to see him being used in. He's six, nine, almost six ten. Obviously, you know, he's got great length and can jump out the gym, he's about the size of John Collins, right? Uh, if not already bigger. And so like if John Collins can be used as, as a big man, why not try to get Trey going um, in those kind of actions? I think right. the Utah jazz had a, a lot of success uh, using Larry Markin as someone that gets downhill, but also leveraging the threat of his, his shot and his, his desire to get up a lot of shots from three. And I think if you start incorporating all of that, all of a sudden you have a guy on your hands that is, a very complete player, but it's going to take time for sure. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned his size. When I was in Vegas, I saw him and Scotty hanging out, and Scotty is a deceptively tall and like big player. And Trey was Trey was right there with him, height wise, like shoulder wise, like he's a he's a big dude. Um, even though like he's a little bit scrawny, like he's skinnier. Um, it seems like he has a lot of length and size to him that can work well. Wanted to throw some numbers out at you, uh, because I think this is interesting to what you were saying about role man. He's a 1.32 points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler, 1.15 as a pick and roll roll man. You mentioned the transition game, but I, I thought some of this other stuff was interesting as well. 1.17 points per uh, dribble handoff. It just seems like whenever you're 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 putting him either as the screener or as a guy who's initiating some kind of action with a secondary player, you're getting points off of it. And I wonder if that's just because of his gravity as a shooter, as a scorer, or is it is it his development as a playmaker, as a guy who can make reads in the open floor? Um, what What do you think you attribute that to most? I think it's both, uh, to be honest. One, he's been efficient at every single level he's played at. And, yeah. you know, coming out of UVA, he was not just a 50-40-90 guy and the only 50-40-90 guy in, in college. He was a 60-40-90 guy, which yeah. is completely absurd, right? Uh, he came into summer league his first year, normally rookie struggle this year. Uh, you know, you have your efficient shooters, Jordan Hawkins, uh, Grady Dick, uh, Ben Shepard. A lot of these guys known for their shooter, Brandon Pajemski, they shot like 25% from three, like collectively. Uh, you know, those guys didn't do it. Trey came in, he shot lights out. He was efficient from every area. Second year, he played summer league. He was once again efficient. So efficiency just kind of been who he is, um, regardless of how people have used him. But I do think one thing he struggled with, at least as a rookie, was he was very much not strong enough. Um, and, and you saw it at the rim. You saw it in his finishing. And and his second year, he's taken a step forward. And, and all of a sudden, you know, he's an extremely high-level finisher at the rim. And he's finishing through contact. He's not afraid to go dunk on people. 
Um, and you know, you brought up his his efficiency in various different play actions, and I think one of the things that I personally clamored for uh, as the season went on is like, hey, this is a guy that is you know 65 to 70 percent true shooting on any given night you're getting about 1.2 1.3 points per possession out of any possession that he uses um we need to find out what the threshold is where his efficiency actually dips right because as the season went on his usage increased the amount of possessions he was allotted increased and his efficiency didn't dip at all. So I think you're doing yourself a disservice by not finding out what that threshold is and what that limit is and trying to optimize it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, each team has a finite number of offensive possessions that they're going to play in. Um, If you're giving a great deal of offensive possessions to efficient players, you're going to have a great offense. I think that's, that's pretty rudimentary. And and I think the Pelicans should be exploring that. Yeah, no, I I think that's interesting. And and I, I think that's why a lot of people, when you hear it on podcasts, you hear people really being high on Trey Murphy, not just as a role player, as a guy who can be like a three and D type, but also a guy with some star upside. Um, we we talked about some of the creation juice, some of the off uh, on the ball game that he might be able to tap into next season. But where do you see his eventual star upside being? And and I mean, do you think that is something that's attainable? I'm ta- I'm uh, throughout this series, I, I'm talking about multiple different guys. There's Jalen Suggs and Precious Achua and Devin Vassell and, you know, Josh Green, Jonathan Kaminga, just like different types of players. Trey, to me, it seems like it's the most tangible, most expected outcome for of all those guys I just mentioned for him to end up being a quote unquote star. How do you how do you kind of think of that? Where, where do you sit on him actually reaching that ceiling or potential of his? No, yeah, uh, I think it's a great question. I think he has a couple of different pathways. I think pathway number one, which is probably the most likely and the easiest, is he is probably a star in everything but like the name, right? So he's a star impact player. He's a star, uh, you know, efficient player, kind of similar to like I would say Clay Thompson, right? So like Clay Thompson, that's so funny you said that. That's literally the person I was thinking, right? So like Clay Thompson in his peak. You know, he's not counted to run a million pick and rolls. He's not counted to yeah. play make. He's not counted to even rebound, to be honest. Um, but he is counted to defend uh, some of the best opposing players on the other team. And he is counted to make a bunch of shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is a pathway for Trey to continue to get better at those things that he's already good at and become a version of that. That is a high, high level impact player on any team, but particularly one that has championship aspirations and can lift the games of the stars around. Him, right. right. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like an amplifier and someone that has like a, like a multiplying effect, especially if, if the partnership with Zion continues um, and Zion stays on the court, Zion has an unreal gravity towards the rim it just makes sense for those two to be paired together yeah. um, in every which way. And and, and I think defenses are going to have a tough time defending that duo, um, specifically if Brandon Ingram is still involved and some of the other Pelicans pieces, but um, that duo specifically that, you know, they're going to find very challenging to defend. So that's pathway number one, right? Pathway yeah. number two is that they do explore more like creation with him. So like, I think, can he become, a Jalen Brown type of guy, right? Jalen Brown doesn't have the most advanced handle, um, not the most advanced playmaker, but undoubtedly one of the league's, you know, best offensive players. Um, He is undoubtedly a top 30, top 40 player 
Uh, and that's probably underselling him, right? He's, you know, right. he's been the second best player on multiple conference finals, five conference finals in the last seven years, yeah. one finals appearance that, you know, like just got the richest contract in NBA history. Can Trey Murphy trend in that direction and become that? I see no reason, you know, why that level of progression can't exist as well. And I think the third area is, can he actually become more versatile off ball? I think one thing is, Trey has shown is that he is willing uh, and to, to play off ball and doesn't necessarily need the touches and the dribbles to to do his thing. I, I, obviously, I think every player would love to run their own team and jack up as many shots as they want or, you know, be the second option with the complete green light. But I think, you know, Trey specifically, again, kind of going back to like the Laurie Marketing comp, Laurie Marketing just had his first all-star appearance, right? Yeah. Um, not a guy that's on the ball a ton. Um, but the Jazz use him in such creative and innovative ways where they leverage his size, his athleticism, his ability to play both a perimeter-oriented style, but also an interior finishing style. Yeah. I'm not saying he's like a post-up guy, but like again, going downhill finishing as a roll man, as a cutter, as a um whatever it is, you know, off of stampede cuts off the off the wing. Can can the Pelicans get that going for Trey. And I, I think they're going to need a little bit of offensive innovation, some, some variety in their coaching staff, which I hope the hiring of James Borrego accomplishes. Uh, but I, I think those are the three like star pathways for Trey. And I think the first one's probably the most likely, but I don't think the other two are out of the picture. No. And I think, I think a lot of people are high on him for that exact reason. It's just, it, uh, it seems like there's a guarantee for him to be able to take that next step in his career. I wanted to ask you, what does that next step look like? What is, what is a leap for Trey Murphy look like next season? Yeah, good question. I think for, for Trey next season, first of all, in my opinion, they just got to rip the bandaid off, make him a full-time starter. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there is a discussion whether, you know, it's more balanced to start, um, you know, CJ and uh, Herb Jones next to Zion and Brandon Ingram, or, you know, find a way to bench one of those guys and start Trey. But I think they just need to rip the bandit off. They need to start Trey, first of all. Uh, reason being, you got to maximize the number of minutes him and Zion spend on the floor together. The best way to do that is they just start together. Mm -hmm. Um so that's that's step number one. Step number two is I think like as I mentioned earlier, you continue to bump his usage up uh and see and you find out what that threshold is. So if he's given that that uh requisite usage and he solidifies himself as the clear third option behind Zion and BI, and the second option really when those guys are either hurt or you know in staggered lineups, um, those things are going to be what leads to the quote unquote leap because I don't think it's a matter of talent necessarily i think like you could it's a matter of just getting him enough shots even if he remains like the same skill set he was this past year which i have no reason to believe he's not going to improve his skill set yeah. but even if he remains that skill set you you take him from like 10 shots a game to 15 shots a game all of a sudden you're, you're talking about a guy that's scoring 22 23 a game and and all that's criteria for most improved right yeah. whereas like realistically he, he may have always had that capability it's just about opportunity and uh, getting the possessions but really i think that's what it's going to come down to is trust in the coaching staff that this is your most efficient player on the team by far except for maybe zion when he's healthy right zion's just a different different animal different breed yeah. um but outside of zion there's no one that comes close to this kind of efficiency uh if you want to be a good offense you maximize uh the amount of touches that efficiency gets 
Trey is going to be phenomenally interesting. Like I, I just, I, I'm captivated by the Pelicans in general. I think a, a lot of the league is captivated by how they're supposed to look, especially the health obviously is going to be a huge factor when it comes to Zion and BI, but even outside of the, those guys, Herb, you mentioned Trey, I, I think Dyson Daniels has shown promise to be an interesting player. There's just a lot to be, I guess, looking forward to, if you will, when it comes to the Pelicans, in my opinion. Um, Shami, anything you want to kind of say, anything you want to plug, anything you've got going on before we head out? Yeah, no, I appreciate the time. Um, you know, I've, I'm, uh, I write about the Pelicans. I've started my Substack regarding it, so you guys can check it out at inthenow.substack.com. Um, we'll definitely be talking a lot of Trey and a lot of other stuff regarding the Pelicans, but I think you're right. Everyone's just kind of waiting and seeing when this team is going to get healthy. They have the pieces. Uh, it's just a matter of, can they keep them on the court? Yeah, I know. And it's, it's hard that that's the only hurdle really left, uh, left at, you know, see here, uh, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, for, for everybody who's been tapping in, definitely go ahead and, and check out Shamit's work. It is incredible. Really, really great stuff just on a league wide basis as well. You do some great work uh and and obviously covering the pelicans thank you everybody who has tapped in for listening to this episode of the leap we got some more stuff coming your way uh and and you know tap into the objective basketball podcast whenever you get a chance appreciate you guys peace